Welcome to Unbroken Jars. I'm Doug. And I'm Randy. And this is a podcast where we explore individuals' real-life stories and real faith. You're listening to Unbroken Jars, Episode 9, An Unwanted Journey. The light of Jesus shines through the darkness, and we carry this light in unbroken jars of clay. We have a life and a story about our faith journey, but we're not struck down or destroyed. Our stories shine the light on Jesus and His power. Our faith walk has forever been shaped by the life of one man, Jesus. Jesus continues to use real-life stories of those around us to mold us. We dive into this world by investigating, interviewing, and walking alongside real people who share their stories, their faith stories of struggle, sin, joy, and victory, and how God is leading them will help shape your faith journey in unbroken jars of clay. those of you who have uh, been uh, been listening to the episodes of Unbroken Jars and realize there has been a, a fairly extended delay, we're uh, we're, we're going to blame that on coronavirus. Um, and that is exactly what happened over different periods of time. But uh, we're just going to leave it at that and we're going to move on. But today we have Bob and Cindy Reeder joining us. And Bob and Cindy are, they're some of my favorite people, to be honest. They're, uh, they have experienced a lot in their lives, including losing their son, before his time, um, Bob and Cindy are, are are never far from work. If there's work being done, you can you can bet your bottom dollar that they're going to be somewhere around there. Uh, these are both very hands-on people who love God and love others, and I'm thankful that that they've agreed to come and and join us today. I'm grateful for who they are as well. So thanks for joining us, guys. Yep. Thanks for asking us. Well, you're so welcome. Um, in order for us to get started. Uh, won't you tell us briefly about how you guys met, how you got together, a little bit about your background. I teased y'all before we got on here about how Bob's old enough to be your grandfather. So dad, uh, tell but us not a little grandpa. bit about that story. <laughs> um, all right. Well, how we met, uh, we met in uh, Jacksonville beach, Florida, uh, in the church there. Uh, I was in the Navy and, uh, that's where I first met Cindy and got to know her. Um, after I finished up my tour in the Navy, I moved back to Huntsville. Cindy enrolled at Lipscomb. And uh, we dated. I went up there uh, every couple of weekends, stayed with my brother and his wife who lived in Nashville. And we dated uh, while she was in college and we got married uh, just before she finished. I think she had one PE course left uh, (laughs) that she had to travel to Nashville for uh, every week for a semester after we got married. Um, But uh, she finally uh, graduated. And of course, we've been in Huntsville since then. In terms of my background, I'm actually from the Pacific Northwest. I was born in Oregon. Um, I, uh, I went to a, a liberal arts university out there, uh, private uh, Methodist college. And, uh, and then I moved across country. I went to law school in North Carolina. After I graduated there, I uh, entered the Navy uh, where I served for three years. And then I returned to Huntsville uh, where my, uh, my mother's family had been from and, uh, began practicing law. I practiced in private, uh, in the private field for about five years. And then I was offered a job at UAH as their 
chief attorney, and uh, I accepted. And uh, I served out there for 40 years until I retired uh, three or four years ago. Um, Cindy and I attended the, uh, the Central Church uh, when we were first married. And, uh, and then in the mid-80s or early 80s, I believe, we, uh, we came to Mayfair with, uh, with our family. So uh, that's, that's a little bit about who I am. Cindy? I grew up in Florida. Uh, my uh, first city of residence was Tarpon Springs, where um, we lived until our parents were killed in a car accident when I was 13. So we moved to Jacksonville to live with our older sister, and that's where I joined the church in Jacksonville Beach, which is where Bob was attending when he was in the Navy. So that's how we met. And then I came on to Lipscomb and have we've been married 46 years this August. And all I wanted to do was to be a mom and wow. uh, sing. <laughs> and so I got to do both of those because um, I got to work after uh, being a mom, being able to stay home with my children, which Bob's job afforded me that luxury. And then after they were, you know, Marianne was in fifth grade, I guess I started teaching music uh, for preschool. So I was very fortunate to be able to put both of my uh, long goal ambitions together and be a, a mom and teach children. Children are my first love and music is my second. I guess I should add that uh, the Lord blessed us with four children, three girls and, uh, and the son, Andrew. Yeah. And I'm, I'm assuming Bob falls into one of those loves too, somewhere in there. Like yes, after children, for sure. after music. <laughs> after children, after singing, I'm, I'm there yes, somewhere. Yes, he is there for sure. <laughs> At least you know, you know, you, you know your place in life, right? <laughs> That's right. And if you want to, if you want to get into conversation with, well, Bob or Cindy, uh, mentioned Duke basketball. Right on. Yeah. And um, our, our soccer. Yeah. And uh, I was just going to say, uh, that's true. Doug and I both have had the the blessing of knowing uh, this family, Bob and Cindy, and for a long time, uh, we raised some of our children together. Uh, my son Jonathan and uh, their son Andrew were best friends growing up with with the high school together, um, which kind of leads us into this question, Bob and Cindy. If maybe give the people. Uh, that were they're listening a little insight into who Andrew was as a child, as a young man, just kind of give a, you know, for those who don't know who Andrew uh, was, even as a kid, maybe just give some insight, tell some stories about, about that. Yes. We were um, very grateful for y'all's relationship with him and Jonathan's especially, but he was an active member of the Mayfair youth ministry. He was baptized there, devoted to Mayfair's youth ministry. He once even passed up playing, in a uh, state uh, championship soccer game because Mayfair was having a church retreat at the same time. Um, He always tried to make people laugh. He Uh, was a bit of a clown mm -hmm. at times, Mm -hmm. but after his death, we read many things at time. Right. (laughs) Maybe all the time. He was great. Um, After he was, yeah. After he passed um, his Facebook page, they put up one called celebrating the life of Andrew reader and we got we went on there recently and found some very uh, impressive um, posts that people had put up about him and how he had befriended them and took them took them in and he brought a smile to their face and he helped someone deal with their discouragement a lot of times. 
When Cindy said that he liked to make people laugh, that reminds me of a quick story where he was in class at Madison Academy in high school and they had open windows there. And when the teacher turned her back, uh, he jumped out the window <laughs> and then went around and uh, re-entered the class and said, hi, teach, which, of course, caused a little bit of, a, of an uproar. Uh, even the teacher, even the teacher smiled. Uh, I guess a little more about Andrew. He he loves sports. Um he played almost everything as, as a child and in high school. Of course, uh, soccer uh, was his favorite sport uh, as he played with Jonathan. In fact, he and Jonathan were team captains, as I recall, on the first Madison yeah. Academy yeah. soccer team their senior year. Um, he, uh, he was really passionate about kids, and I think that's, that's something that needs to go up uh, at the top, especially kids who are disabled. Or disadvantaged. Or disadvantaged. Um, I think this may have begun when when the uh, youth group took some of its early trips years ago to uh, uh, to Houston uh, to work with the uh, inner city. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I think he went four or five years. In fact, he liked that so much that he went back uh, years later and worked the entire summer as one of their interns uh, who worked there full time. Uh, and then when we began a, uh, an inner city work here, uh, a week or two special uh, program during the summer called Lift and Connect 3, he, he also served as an intern uh, in that program. Um, he worked, Randy, with you as an intern uh, with children uh, three or four summers. Again, I think usually with, with his best bud, Jonathan. Yeah. He was, all, he was um, awesome, as, by the way, with the kids. Awesome. He, uh, I mean, he, he dearly, dearly loved that. He worked as a, as a youth intern, uh, one summer in, uh, in Nashville. And, uh, and then he worked, Doug, I think with you uh, a couple of years, uh, as a, as a college intern. Um, and that leads me really to, to something that, uh, maybe a lot of people don't know about Andrew, but he, uh, hatched this dream that of course was never realized of starting, uh, a, uh, a children's home. Uh, in Uganda. I'm not sure why Uganda, uh, uh, but uh, he had actually contacted some people there. They worked out uh, some plans. It was going to be called Village of Hope. No, Village of Peace. Or Village of Peace, I'm sorry. And um, he has a notebook and some files here at home that we were surprised to find where there were sketches of the dining hall and the residence hall and the chapel and uh, demographic information and data about Uganda and just a whole host of information uh, this was his dream. Of course, he never quite figured out how to finance all of this, <laughs> which would have been a huge, huge task. But uh, he did come and talk to us about that several times uh, before he died. Uh, this was just something that uh, that was in his heart. And then when his son Graham was born in 2009, we'd never seen him happier. He was really yeah. Yeah. devoted to this little boy and he couldn't wait to be his coach. <laughs> Which he did in soccer and basketball. He loved nothing more than being with Graham, and that was uh, that was a dream come true for him as well. Was being a dad. Mm. Yeah. So that's kind of a quick summary, I guess, of the things that stand out in my, in our mind about about Andrew. Sure. Well, if there's anything else, you know, I don't. I, I have so many. It's. I have so many stories of just our time together. I know Randy, I, I, I recall once, or I feel like you should tell this story for some reason. 
but there's, there's something to the effect of somehow got a golf cart in the church and readers tied directly to this. The readers were always <laughs> called Andrew. Yeah, we, we you know we, we had VBS every year. We have a, our, our vacation Bible school at Mayfair is kind of a big deal. And so uh, we get a little over the top ideas. And we had an idea of the guys that were leading VBS, which Andrew was one of those, come, come riding in on the golf cart. Uh, we borrowed from Tom Dashner, I think it was somebody in the church. And, um, so they come down the aisle just like we planned it. And then when they got to the front, they didn't, they, uh, they didn't estimate how quick a turn they had to make. And, uh, Andrew and them drove it into the side of the, the pew, the front pew there. Of course I'm panicking, but the kids didn't know the difference and thought it was a planned thing and, and no damage, no permanent damage was done to the pew or to the kids or anybody, but it was just typical of, uh, Andrew, you know, he would give me a hard time about saying it's all for the kids, Mr. Randy, it's all for the kids. So, <laughs> so um, anyway, but that was, it was, um, there's some really precious and funny memories of Andrew for sure. Andrew's one of those people to me, he, you know, like I said, he, he came in and, and, and worked alongside of me in our college and young adult ministry. And he's one of those people to me that always left me laughing. I, and it wasn't, I mean, and we could even be talking about something serious, but in the middle of that, he'd hit you with some witty comment that'd be like, where did you, how did you, how, how do people have that? You know, mm-hmm. and he had that natural ability to leave you laughing, smiling. Um, man, I love that kid. I, but if you guys are willing, and I, I don't know that we've kind of processed through some of this uh, just by way of preparing for this, but if you're willing, share us, a little about the days kind of leading up and even the day uh, of November 18th uh, of 2013 when we uh, we said goodbye for the last time to Andrew. Could you kind of lead us up into that and kind of what happened there? All right. Well, the days before, uh, you know, were fairly normal. I remember on Saturday, uh, the day before his accident, uh, he was over at the house. He was doing some uh, uh, some work around the the, uh, the house and the yard. I, I think he was steam cleaning power or washing. Uh, power washing uh, the uh, the driveway and in the backyard. And he and I went on an errand together and just had some of the normal conversations that we had. Uh, Sunday morning, um, we were actually on our way home. We were expecting uh, Andrew uh, and um, and Graham, his uh, his son, to join us for lunch. And uh, before we got home, we got a call from Huntsville Hospital that said, uh, you need to come uh, to the hospital that Andrew has been involved in an accident. Uh, I think Cindy had more of a premonition about this than I did. You know, occasionally our kids, you know, uh, will have a fender bender accident. And I was hoping that's what it was. But when we got there, it was very evident that it was much more serious. They took us into the ER. Andrew was, um, was not conscious. Um, we had a conversation with nurses and doctors. I don't recall the specifics, but essentially we were told that the accident had, um, uh, in some fashion severed or partially severed his spinal cord, uh, even though, which was very strange, there was no, uh, there were no contusions on his face, no broken bones. Um, we didn't know how the accident happened. It was, a uh, uh, it was a rainy day. The streets were slippery. 
He was not too far from our house. I think he was on his way to actually get Graham. Uh, and, uh, uh, but somehow there was a, a head-on collision. Um, of course, we were in shock. We immediately called um, uh, his sisters. Uh, two of them lived in Nashville, one in Memphis. They arrived here later that afternoon. Uh, you guys both came to the hospital, as did many, many friends uh, from Mayfair and some from the community and, and Andrew's friends as well. It was a long day. I think we filled up the, uh, the waiting room there. Uh, we spent the night, uh, you know, hoping that there would be uh, some sign uh, of life. Um, we met with the doctor the next day, <clears throat> and he repeated what he had told us earlier, and that simply was there was no brain activity uh, and that Andrew would not recover, uh, and he could be kept alive uh, on artificial means, but uh, he would essentially remain in that same uh, unconscious state. So after a lot of prayer and some difficult uh, times together, um, we made the decision that evening um, the uh, ventilator was, uh, was uh, taken off and uh, Andrew passed um, shortly after that, uh, went to be with the Lord. And the next couple of days are blur, but you go into um, the mode of planning the uh, the funeral celebration of life. I, having been there with my parents and doing that, although at 13, I don't remember that that much, but my, my modus operandi at that point is just uh, uh, adrenaline keeping me going. So we did that. We had a huge outpouring of love at the visitation um, on Thursday night before the funeral on Friday. And we were told that that was the uh, largest visitation Mayfair has ever experienced. And, and it was hundreds of people. And I, I want to add uh, as well, uh, as we planned the funeral, Andrew had been blessed uh, to have some wonderful men and as mentors in his life. Uh, that includes uh, Randy Yu and Doug Yu. Uh, also, his first, first youth minister, Israel Lewis, who had uh, was working in Texas at that time, uh, and uh, Rob Touchstone, who was working, uh, I think, in, in the youth Nashville. area in uh, Nashville. Uh, and uh, uh, all of you participated uh, very graciously, I think, uh, Israel, by uh, uh, sending a letter uh, in his celebration of life, which was very meaningful to us. But uh, all four of you were so special to him, and he was blessed, I think, to uh, to work with you and, and under you. I, I just remember, I, I mean, I remember a lot of things from that, from that service, but I remember personally it was probably one of the toughest things I'd ever had to, to go through. Um, so, you know, sometimes we ask, I, I guess, people hearing this story, and even right now, I, the thought runs through my head, um, you know, this isn't fair. Some things just aren't, aren't fair. Why do things like this happen? And I guess the question, if you can kind of talk into this or speak into this, Bob and Cindy is, you know, how do you, how did you make it through those, those days? Um, and, and how did this tragedy affect your faith walk or faith journey? Or did the faith journey help you in some of the, in some of the struggles in dealing with this? 
Well, of course, we, we're not the only couple who've lost a child or who have, you know, lost someone very special. Uh, more typically, it's spouses. Um, but um, I, I think we would all say that um, the obvious, and that is the days and the weeks and even the months that followed were were really hard on both of us. Thanksgiving came two weeks later. Um, we decided uh, to go ahead and have a family gathering at Thanksgiving. So uh, the girls and uh, their family, my brother and his family, uh, did gather at our house uh, for Thanksgiving. We left uh, an empty chair, um, you know, in recognition of the fact that, that Andrew was, was not with us. Um, but we were just in shock. Uh, what happens, I think, in a situation like that is, you, you know, you wake up in the morning and, and you think for just a moment, uh, oh, I hope that's an, a bad dream, a nightmare, but uh, of course uh, it's not. So um, we, we just, we hurt, uh, you know, for a long while. Uh, we both did return to work. Um, I don't know exactly when. And that was therapeutic because it helped us occupy, you know, our minds on uh, things that needed to be done. And it put us, you know, in the context of, of uh, being with people who were also, you know, very, very helpful to us. Um, you know, in terms of, of how I dealt with this, uh, with my faith, I, I, can, I can honestly say I, I did not get mad uh, at God. Uh, and I didn't feel tempted to sort of slide in, into uh, a doubt. Um, you know, you either believe in God or you don't. Uh, I think those are the only two options. And I had been along, uh, I'd been alive long enough to have walked with God and, uh, and to be convicted that, uh, that he existed and it was the God of scripture. And even though, um, you know, his ways at times uh, are far above my ability to understand, I, I still I believe that he was uh, sovereign and wise and good uh, and that he cared uh, for all of us. Um, I knew that um, the bad things happen uh, to people, bad things happen to Christians. Uh, and I think that's, that's because we live in a world that is not as it was created to be, not as God designed. It's a world that's, that's disordered and, and broken. And one evidence of that, I think, is sickness and loss uh, and death. Uh, but to be honest, to me, um, you know, opting for uh, non-belief just was not a viable choice. Uh, you know, believing that everything was random and had no purpose or meaning, uh, that was not a choice. In fact, this uh, was really a time when faith became important because that was something that, uh, that we really held on to together uh, as, as a family. And I might, I might say one thing that, that took me a while to sort of understand, and I don't know if this makes sense. Part of our grief early on was the sense that, that Andrew was deprived of you know, a normal uh, lifespan, whatever that is, uh, because he was only 33, uh, you know, still a fairly young man when, when he died. I, I finally sort of came to the sense, if, if, this, if this does uh, you know, sound reasonable at all, that uh, we're only given the time that we have. Uh, you know, Andrew's 
gift of life was 33 years. Uh, that's what it was. His uh, gift to us was 33 years. And whether it's 12 years or 33 years or 73 years, that's what it is. And so I, I sort of came to feel that his life really wasn't cut short. Uh, it was complete in terms of you know what it was uh, to be. And that, and that gave me a sense of, of, of comfort, I think. Yeah, and I came to realize, after, and I've come to realize this uh, since then, that children are on loan to us. We, we get them as a gift. There's no promises that they're going to outlive us. Um, and I think I realized that when my grandmother buried her daughter. Um, but I didn't realize that I would be going through that too at 33 years of age. But both Bob and I helped each other, um, you know, get through this. And I know that some couples <coughs> go through losing a child and don't make it in their marriage. And I wanted to be one of those couples that made it through that. So we grieve differently as a man and a woman, but we grieve together. And we went forward together and we're still doing that. So what I, what I noticed and what is so important is for a marriage is to be strong when dark times come. If you're not strong in your marriage now, don't wait until you go through a storm. That's not the time to shore up your marriage. Mm -hmm. That's too late to decide to work on things. So please, if you're listening and you're a married couple, uh, make sure your marriage is as strong and as and foundationally strong as it can be because storms are coming if they haven't already. And I, I think I would yeah. I would add that, you know, uh, in addition to, to God being my comfort, uh, you know, uh, Cindy was, uh, you know, the pillar for me. And I hope I was for her. And so we kind of leaned on each other uh, during this period of time. Um, yeah. and, and that, you know, that just brought great, great comfort. I would have hated to go through what we did uh, as a single parent. Uh, so having uh, each other. And, um, uh, you know, going through uh, life as we continued from that point forward, uh, sitting together uh, at worship uh, was just a great consolation, uh, you know, to us. I guess I would add one other thing, too. You know, reading the Psalms through, which I've just come to love, uh, I've been impressed with how many Psalms are devoted to lament, uh, where the psalmist you know, lamented or grieved or mourned or even complained about some things to God. And that's been very helpful to me. I think God welcomes that. Uh, these Psalms are there for a purpose. I think they're telling us it's okay to take what's on our heart to God. And uh, he, he understands. Uh, the wonderful thing about those Psalms of lament, almost all of them end up after maybe the psalmist indicating, you know, his hurt, his pain, his his dark valley, he comes back at the very end to affirm uh, his conviction uh, that God is there. Yeah. Uh, and so the, I think it's, um, I think it's important for people who go through a loss uh, to, to grieve uh, and not, uh, uh, you know, not go forward with the assumption that uh, emotionally and spiritually, you know, everything is fine. Everything is, is great. Uh, we need to acknowledge our own hurt and even take those hurts to God uh, 
you know, he knows anyway uh, what's on her heart. And I think that's, that's very faith building. Uh, he wants us to come to him, you know, with what's going on, what's real in our lives. And then he provides that, that comfort, I think, that we need. I, I, it's, it's even hard as I sit here to even wrap my mind around what you've experienced. Um, and and I, no no parent should ever have to bear their child. I just one of the things I love about y'all, and 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 you've you you've mentioned this. This is me kind of diving in and and, and looking at at y'all's personalities. You've got the the logical right, everything's black and white type uh, Bob, and then you've got Cindy, who is more of the emotional thinker, who helps keep Bob. Um, from being a robot, um, and and man, I just think you you've been through so much and experienced so much. But one of the coolest things, and I love that you said it, Cindy, that your marriage is so important in this process, and that I feel like y'all have uniquely been placed together to be this this great uh, image. Uh, of what we're supposed to be, not only as a marriage, but also as the body of Christ, leaning upon one another. Um, you, you, you're, you're vastly different, but you uniquely work together so well. And I, man, I, I really do appreciate you bringing that up, Cindy. That's like I said, I, I do, I do kind of wonder as as we talk through this, how you have seen um, God work in the lives of maybe you guys, but also in the lives of others since these terrible days in 2013 that we look back on and still feel the pain of, but have you seen God working kind of since then? Well, um, I, I think God has simply helped us get through those times. Um, we've talked with others who have had a loss and, uh, one of the things people sometimes say to them is, have you gotten over this? And of course, the response is uh, no, and I never will entirely. I get through it. And so God has enabled us, I think, to work through this. Uh, you know, the loss is still very real to us. Uh, Andrew was not only my son, he was, he was a best friend. He was uh, the one out of our four kids who was still here in Huntsville. So we saw him more than the girls, two of whom lived in Nashville, one in Memphis. Uh, you know, you mentioned uh, Duke a few minutes ago, basketball. Andrew and I shared loyalties with a number of teams and um, we loved watching games together, uh, dissecting uh, the game before, after, um, you know, just talking about how the team was doing. Uh, he was interested in what was going on in the world. And, you know, he would bring questions at times and, and he loved to talk about his faith, um, particularly questions that people might raise with him or challenges that he found that he was going uh, through. And so I, I just, uh, those were conversations that <clears throat> in looking back were really special. And, and I miss that. There's, there's just, uh, there's, there's an empty space there that still exists. Um, I'll also tell you that, um, there's a song or two that Andrew loved. One in particular comes to mind that was played at his funeral. And to this day, I still cannot, I cannot sing that song. Uh, it just brings the, uh, brings the emotions to the surface. Um, 
I, I think about him during the summers. We get together. Right. We did prior to Andrew's uh, passing uh, as a family for a week. We go to the beach. We get our all of our kids, um, sons-in-laws, uh, grandkids, and go to the beach. He he loved that week, as we all did, and we continue doing that. And uh, it's still a great time. But you know, one of my uh, regrets is that Andrew uh, was not able to to be there with us uh, because uh, that's something he would have he would have loved uh, to share in, uh, especially since Graham, uh, you know, with us was with us. And, and the other thing I told Cindy recently, I was going through some pictures here at the house. Uh, some of them came from my grandmother, from my mother's house, his grandmother, uh, that, that I've now been given the job of going through. We found a lot of pictures, of course, of the kids and of Andrew. And uh, I just found the tears came back, you know, that, uh, again, it just brought back the memories. So I, I think in a sense, um, you know, it, 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 it's still difficult. Uh, I remember talking to a man at the funeral home uh, who worked there and uh, he was taking the information for the funeral. And he shared with us, he said, you know, I lost my son 10 years ago. And he said, it's still hard. And I thought at the time, man, 10 years, 10 years. So that's, that's a long, that's a long time. Yeah. And I, I still miss hearing him run, come through the back door, yelling, mama, you know, like, yesterday and he wanted to um what's for dinner andrew tended to show up at meal times yeah. uh, like every time. young adult does from time to time and uh you know we uh, we love to see him and of course as you guys know um you know his uh his gravesite is in maple hill cemetery and we live in blossomwood and so we pass by maple hill within sight of, uh, of his grave every time we leave and come back uh, to our home. So that's a, that's a reminder, I guess, of, uh, of his life and his presence for 33 years uh, with us. If I, if I, if I can interject, you know, one thing when I, when I think of uh, Andrew and, in, and, in, how what good has come out of that? Uh, the thing I, I think about is I know that there's a, at least one Bible class here at Mayfair that uh, wouldn't have wouldn't have come about if it hadn't been for Andrew's persistence and involvement with it. You know, we had a group that was meeting. I think it was Andrew, my son, and a couple others in a small room upstairs, and and that group and we kept we got discouraged, and Andrew kept saying, "No, no, this this group needs to keep meeting, it needs to happen." And then it kind of just uh, exploded at, at, at one point. And, uh, uh, and his, um, he impacted my son. I think it changed some things about the way John, yeah. my son sees things now. And uh, uh, so I see those things. And I, and I know there's, there's, there's um, he, he, that he's not the only one that was impacted by Andrew in a positive way with their kind of re re-looking, re rethinking their faith and thinking what's really important. I think that's a message from that. And, and, um, and then I know you guys set up a trust, uh, not trust, but a fund in Andrew's memory and some really good things have happened from that. I don't know if you want to speak about that at all or not, but I, I just think about those things that his, 
legacy or if you want to call it legacy or impact continues to uh, be present. You know, Randy, that reminds me of, of kind of a serendipity uh, that has been especially meaningful to us. Uh, you know, people wanted to know, you know, what charity can we give to in honor of Andrew um, after he died? And so we set up a memorial fund, an Andrew Reader Fund for the Benefit of Children, I think, uh, or some similar name. Uh, and because of that, that fund and knowing his love for children, uh, we've been able using those funds and then some that our family has donated since then to complete two projects, uh, one in Honduras and one in uh, Ghana uh, at children's homes. And then since then, uh, we've been able to, uh, to fund the construction of six wells, providing clean water, uh, again, to either to sites where there was a school or a children's home. Uh, and, um, you know, those, those wells are known as Andrew's Well, uh, Christ follower, which we, you know, think sends a message. Of course, we'll never see that sign, but it gives us some uh, consolation to know that that sign is is there. And um, you know, we we intend to continue to do that. Uh, we hope to do a couple of uh, a couple of wells each year uh, for as long uh, as as we can. Uh, so that's that's been kind of a of a different thing. We never were able to carry out his desire to to uh, help establish the village of peace in Uganda. But I think Andrew would have loved the idea of kids having clean water in these small villages, mm -hmm. um, you know, in I think five or six different countries in Africa. And I guess the other thing I would say, and I think Cindy alluded to this earlier, you know, there've been times when uh, we have been asked or have, have wanted to talk to someone who has suffered the loss of a child and, uh, you know, in, in, in having a conversation with them, uh, they have, have looked at us and, and said uh, quite often uh, in just literally these words, uh, we know that you know uh, what we're going through because you've been there. Uh, and so it's, it's enabled us, I guess, because of our loss to be more empathetic, uh, to try to connect in a way that's, you know, that's real with people who are going through, uh, you know, maybe a, a similar loss. Uh, and, um, you know, that's, that's kind of the flip side of, of, uh, of something that's not good, where, uh, you know, some good comes out of it. Of course, it reminds me of uh, Romans 8, 28, we all know so well, and that is that uh, under all circumstances, God's able to bring good out of, uh, you know, what happens to us. Uh, for the benefit for his glory and for his and for the benefit of people and so we've we've seen that i think in these ways uh you know in the aftermath of uh of andrew's death and i've been doing a lot of reading and like i said earlier going to grief share so glad you started that at mayfair doug because i think that's a positive way um to help people walk through this journey and um in one of my books I'm reading, it's called The Fight to Flourish by uh, Levi Lusko's wife, Jeannie. And she wrote uh, something that really uh, spoke to my heart. When we've shared, when we shoved, when we're shoved into a storm, it can e be easy to flounder. What growth is even possible when we're doing everything we can just to keep our heads above water? But it is possible to see God's goodness in the struggle. His love over the valley of death, his grace through the pain. I hold tight to the hope of heaven. 
yet I also grieve. I hurt, I love, I cry, I remember, I feel stuck, I move forward. It's in this tension that we can grow if we keep trusting God and believing he is with us and has more for us. So I cling to the hope and they lost a child at four or five years old. And I just feel very comforted by that. And, you know, I was, I was talking to Cindy, one of the, one of the favorite verses uh, that's actually a song that we sing uh, from Lamentations uh, it is so comforting to me. And it's, it's really become a, a passage that I say to myself every morning uh, in the middle of Lamentations. And if you know the story, uh, Jerusalem had been destroyed. The temple had been destroyed. Uh, the first two and the last two chapters are, are just a, uh, just recounting a litany of bad things that have happened to, to the children of Israel, uh, destruction, devastation, hurt, pain. And yet right in the middle uh, of all of that shines this, this passage that, uh, again, I think we all know partly because of the song, and that is the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning. Greatest thy faithfulness. Uh, the Lord is my portion, which I think says, you know, God is always my sufficiency. And therefore, I will hope in him. Uh, I just love that passage, particularly when you understand, uh, you know, the context of what uh, the writer of, of that inspired book is saying to us. And that is even in the midst of, of chaos and, and bad stuff going on, uh, we can hold on to uh, the faithfulness of God. Uh, and his mercy. Yeah. And it's in that, ultimately, uh, that, that we have hope. Well, Bob and, and Cindy, I, um, it's been, it's been a, a, you know, a good thing for us to get together and then kind of share memories about Andrew. I think we, we appreciate you joining us today on this podcast and sharing your story, his story, and, and, um, and also being open to share how you struggle with that and how God and your faith kind of helped you as you walk, continue to walk through that. Uh, we just appreciate so much your time and, and openness to, to, to be with us today. Thanks for the invitation. Yeah, guys. I, I, I agree with Randy. I, I appreciate you guys so much. Not, not just because you, you allowed us time and uh, we had, a span with Andrew, but because of who you've been through that, but even who you were before that, um, sometimes life has a way of kicking us in the teeth. Um, and I can't imagine all that you've experienced and I hate that you have been on this journey, but I am thankful for those, uh, that you've helped through your journey. I'm also thankful that you've allowed God to use this, even though it's horrible, um, that you've, God allow God to use you in the middle of, of those storms. Um, and, and your faith and love for Jesus, it really does stand out clearly to us and to others. And I appreciate y'all sharing that. If there's one thing I've learned from doing this podcast is that no matter what road we've traveled, um, God has the ability to take that story and make it into a story that shines a light back on Jesus. It's our hope that people listening to this will find confidence in knowing that God can and will use your story if you're willing to share it. We'd appreciate any uh, comments, feedback on Unbroken Jars podcast. You can leave those at unbrokenjars 
gmail.com. Please understand that our goal is always to honor God by the experiences of real life stories and real faith you hear on this podcast. May God bless you in your life as you live out your story of real faith in your own settings.